and we are live with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Mavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And ladies and gentlemen, we are just a couple days away from this year's NBA Draft. Just a week after the Denver Nuggets won their first NBA championship, we now get to decide the future for some of the rest of these teams in the National Basketball Association as they look to get an inch closer to winning their own NBA championship. Andrew, should be a fun and exciting time this Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of teams looking for the NBA draft this uh, this upcoming Thursday, being held in the Barclays Center in yep. Brooklyn, New York. Uh, this is something I always look forward to every single year, but it seems like this draft class isn't as strong as it is in the past. It seems like outside of a top couple of guys, not a lot to go off of, at least from what I've seen so far. I, I think, think you're going to have some good death pieces later on, but outside of really Victor Wembayana, I don't think there's really a true number two guy. I think after him, it's really going to come down to, you know, you look at guys like Scoot Henderson and Brandon Mello. We know the off-the-court issues with Brandon Mello that happened this season. Henderson, not really known as much considering that he was a G League player. So unless you watch a lot of G League this year, uh, you don't really know that much considering he didn't go to college. So he is an interesting prospect because a lot of teams are very, you know, enamored with him at being their new starting point guard potentially for this upcoming season. We've heard rumors about the Pelicans trying to trade up to get him. We've heard a lot of rumors about teams that want to get this kid. I mean, Steph Curry has been training him this offseason and helping him. So if one of the best players in the league is trying to train a guy like that, it really helps your draft stock. And he's projected to go at least number two or number three in the draft. So it's a very interesting time with this NBA draft. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So my big beef with this is looking at the the entire lottery, there's really only one true freshman in this class, which is Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, a small forward. All these other guys are the older freshmen. Yep. They're 19, close to being some over 20 years old. And uh, if you're going to be so much older than the other competition that you're playing against, if you're a 19-year-old or 20-year-old freshman, and you're still not putting up really eye-popping numbers, to me, that's a red flag right off the bat. Well, do you think that has an issue with the whole COVID year? Do you think that takes into effect? You know, this, is our, I don't, this isn't our first COVID draft class. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say no. But I think this is just something that's becoming more and more prevalent going forward. That's fair. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's it could definitely be a red flag, but sometimes those red flags turn into green flags at the end of the day and help you get to that point where – you get into the postseason, they step up in big-time ways, and they win you championships. No one thought Nikola Jokic, when he was taking the second round, would be the player that he is today. And look where the Denver Nuggets are, winning their first NBA championship. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I have nothing, no problem with older players, but um, there's always been a stigma of taking the guys like, for example, Jalen Brunson, who was an older player. He was a four-year senior. Um, but Jalen Brunson, when he was drafted, was only a year or two older than a lot of these guys that are freshmen. Right. Which is crazy to me. No, I mean it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to see what will go down this Thursday. You know, there's going to be teams trying to trade up potentially. Teams maybe wanting to move out and get established talent, not having to wait for those talents to be established. But we'll have to see what goes down. But before we can get there, Andrew, we have to talk about the big breaking news that happened just yesterday between the Phoenix Suns and the Washington Wizards, a huge trade involving Bradley Beal now going to Phoenix in exchange for Chris Paul, Landry Shaman, a couple of second-round picks, and multiple pick swaps. Huge trade going down, now giving the Suns 
Another big three in regards to them having Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Still have DeAndre Eden as well. Now they add Bradley Beal. They have a very formidable lineup going into next season. Overall, what was your take about this trade? Well, from my perspective, it makes sense for the uh, for Phoenix Suns based on their their roster construction. And this is this is how I'm going to explain it. So based on their roster construction, Kevin Durant is going to be 35 years old next season. Bradley Beal is going to be 30. Devin Booker is going to be 27. They want to maximize that potential of Kevin Durant for the next season or two. So to them, they already... Uh, well, I believe they Durant's already, already... I didn't mean to cut you up, but I think Durant only has two years left on his current deal, right? I was about to say that. So okay. KD's going to be 37 by the time this expires. Yep. They have a very short window, right? And they're trying to extend that because Chris Paul's clearly past his prime, right? He's clearly... His window is gone. However, Bradley Beal is still kind of towards the end of his prime. So the problem with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and... Uh, and Devin, Devin Booker, Booker, is that where's the money going? Because you have DeAndre Ayton in there. He's going to be the fourth, he's gonna be the fourth guy now. Those four guys account for they, – they bring you way over the cap. And you still have 11 other spots on this basketball team. Yep. So if they can parlay this and trade Ayton for a bench, another starting caliber center. Maybe a small – maybe a point guard too because – my next question See, was going to be, who really is going to be the point guard of that team? Uh, Chris Paul when he comes back on the buyout market. You think Chris Paul goes? I mean, I did hear he wants to go back. So I mean, it'd be, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it'd be. I don't think so either. Though. But I think that you would be hilarious. That'd be, that'd be some uh, some New York Yankees, uh, like when a Chapman got traded to uh, Chicago and he came back. Yeah, that'd be something like right out of that. But I don't think it'll happen. I don't know who the who the point guard is is going to be. Uh, point guard is probably the most important position in the NBA, but they're also a dime a dozen. You can right. find a really, really good point guard. They might just roll with Beal or, in the bargain or Booker going at point guard for next season. Which I, I think they need a true point guard. Which I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think that's smart for them to do, but that's right now, I think, what they're going to lean towards unless they make a trade with, and, uh, like you said, DeAndre Aiden being involved. Yeah, so DeAndre Aiden has to get traded, and they need to fill out that bench, fill out the other two spots in the starting lineup, but I don't know what Aiton's value is at this point. I mean, we heard I, the rumors really don't about know what his value the Pacers is. deal with Miles Turner last season. I don't yeah, know. That's, that's always. I feel like Miles Turner is rumored to be. Uh, He's always on the market. Him. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't know what his value is because he's he's on a big contract. He's still he's still relatively young too, which is oh he's very young. Yeah, which again. If you if he goes to the right team, who knows? You could finally get that guy that went number one overall just a couple of years ago. So I'm not sure where it would happen or for what it would go down for in the trade. But you're right. If Phoenix can't make a move to get rid of him, then at least they're in a predicament where they realistically will not have a bench. They're not going to be able to really sign anyone in the offseason. They're going to have to get a lot of players on the mid-level exception. I, I don't even think you're allowed to get the mid-level exception anymore. I think after this offseason, if you're over the if you're over the luxury tap uh, tax, you can't give players the MLE MLE anymore. Uh, so they're stuck with that minimum, guys. So yeah, at, that, at the ver- yeah. at the very best, you have a retirement home f- filled with good players that right. are past their prime, or you have a bunch of young and hungry guys that are uh, that are willing to play there in a one year deal. I'm just trying to think of teams that would 
do a trade and maybe get them a point guard and a center in return, it's tough. My mind immediately goes to the Magic for some reason. I'm not sure why. Well, the Magic have a plethora of point guards. That's why. Right. And they can give you a guy like Wendell Carter, which who's not a bad center. He's not the best center, but he is a, you know, a serviceable center in my opinion. So if they wanted to move on from someone like Cole Anthony, I That's... really think you you can get someone like like Cole Anthony and Wendell Carter for DeAndre Ayton. I wouldn't even mind. I don't know how they feel about Markel Fultz compared to Cole Anthony. And Markel I Fultz think, wouldn't be bad either. I think Orlando's buying more into Markel Fultz than I. Cole I agree with it. I just I'm not sure how they feel about it because you're right. They have a lot of point guards on that roster, and I think they have Jalen Suggs too. So one of those right. guys have to go. And if Orlando feels they can get DeAndre Ayton, pair him up with Paolo in the front court. Have two number one overall picks, plus you have Markel Fultz. That's three number one overall picks. Yeah, that would be a fun team to watch if they were able to make a deal like that go down. So I'm curious to see what does happen in the upcoming weeks. Because obviously free agency is kicking off next Friday. That will be interesting to see what happens in regards to all the big name free agents that we're going to look into this offseason. We talked about Kyrie Irving. I would imagine Chris Paul is going to be on the market now. I don't expect him to be a wizard this year. Um, there's news today about a former NBA champion that is going to be in the free agent market. We'll get we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think an interesting note about this trade is that if Aiden does go, I think the Suns, in the best possible way, just need to get rid of some cap, try to find a, a guard and maybe a center, hopefully, and get you a starting five, and then get some money to at least get you some role players on your bench. Because you saw what happened with Denver. They used those role players to their advantage, and that was able, they were able to help them win that championship this year. The bench is a key part in winning championships overall. Yeah, no, they definitely need a bench. If not, if they could maybe... Um, I, I feel like if they can make that deal of the Magic, the one that we just made up right now, and they could fill out the roster that way, and then sign a couple of decent bench pieces two or three guys to get your rotation up to an eight an eight man during the playoffs, I think you'd be fine that way. But it's still a long uphill battle for uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, listen, they had another bad end of the season after the previous one the, the year before, losing badly in, against the Denver Nuggets in game six at home. They, they've got to figure something out because they're, they have a new owner. He wants to win a championship. They got Kevin Durant for the reason of winning a championship, and it went the same way they did the year before. You add Bradley Beal, it helps you get in that position, but it will all be for nothing if they're not able to surround them with talent on and off the bench. So they need to figure that out, that out in the next couple of weeks. So Yeah, only time will tell. But I want to go into some more NBA, uh, some more NBA news. Is that Draymond Green is going to be declining his player option? He's going to be a free agent. I think this is the first time he's been a free agent in oof, since five or six years, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been he's been a, a Golden State Warrior for life. He's uh, he's had that beef with LeBron in the past. Now he seems to be uh, becoming more Open chummy to with, him. with him. Yeah. Do you think he becomes a Laker? Uh, I'm not. I would not be surprised if this is the end of him in Golden State. I feel I think like it's the end. I think it's I, the end. I felt like it's been rumored for such a while now, and this is kind of the Warriors' way of getting out of it. He, him, declining the option. Now, they're obviously going to try to look into some maybe some sign and trade scenarios. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond is a Laker. Um, there's going to be a lot of teams that are you know, quote unquote contenders 
that are going to look for a guy that's won championships in the past, is a key contributor with his defense and his playmaking ability. That's a guy you would really want for your team trying to help you win a championship. So he'll be he'll be a hot commodity in this free agency. I just don't think Golden State's going to be the team he goes back to. I think he is done there. I think they're just looking, you know, they have a new GM now. They're Mike. looking at, you know, yeah, Mike Dunleavy. He's uh, the new GM of the team. So he's going to be looking to try to fit, revamp that roster in a way yeah. and try to get them back to the the ways of winning championships. You hit the nail right in the head. This makes the new GM's job, who we did mention is Mike Dunleavy Jr. Yep. His job has become so, so easy now because now he's got to come. Like Joe Lake, um, he stepped down because he didn't want to be the guy that says, okay, Someone has to get rid of uh, Draymond or Steph or Clay or Jordan Poole. One of these, Andrew Wiggins, one of these guys has to go. And I don't want to be the bad guy here. I don't want just to, too much know, money on the board. Just too much money on the board. They have fifteen co-owners, um, so they would all a majority would need to uh, would need to approve this. And Joe, he didn't want to be the Lakeup didn't want to be the guy to just like come te- come at tearing down. So Draymond Green leaving makes his job so much easier. Not only does he get Draymond off his books, he doesn't have to be a bad guy now. So this is right. to him, this is a home run right now for Golden State. Yeah, I think it's a home run for both sides, including for Draymond, because now he gets to test his value in this offseason and see what teams will become available and trying to get him to go to their team and see how much money he can make. Because remember, the player option he had was for $27 million, so he's definitely thinking he can get a good type amount of money in this offseason and help a team win a championship at the end of the day. Because he's already won, what is it, I think he's won four or five championships, if I'm not mistaken. I can't yeah, no, he has, uh, I think, what, Draymond? Yeah, Draymond. He has four championships. They four matched LeBron last, uh, last offseason. Right. Um. I think a team like uh, any team that could really use defense would be very, very, you know, looking into getting him. A team like the Lakers would would wouldn't mind them because we've heard the rumors, as you said, with LeBron and him. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas goes after him, maybe because we all know how they were defensively last season. That's why they missed the playoffs. I think a guy like that could really help them. Um, I'm just not sure how much, like I said, how much money he would command. But if he's trying to win a championship, I don't think he would command that much. So I'm curious yeah, I, to see what he does in this offseason. Yeah, it's going to be a, one of our storylines to look, look at going into the draft. Um, next on the list, we said John Moran getting suspended 25 games, which I think we had covered in the last pod. We did. Um, we didn't get the exact amount, but we just kind of had an idea. I said, I think, 50. You had said 30. So I think you uh, you win that win this game if you're going to do it by prices right rules. But uh, only 25 games seems a little light to me. I, I think he should have gotten more. I think he should have gotten a season. Um, but I, I think in the, the historical context of comparing to Gilbert Arenas, how he brandished the gun in the locker room and he got 30 games, that's my assumption what they based this off of. Yeah. So if so, that's you know reasonable, but it seems still a little bit low for me. Well, if you th- if you think about it from Memphis's point of view, I mean, only getting him only getting spent for 25 games is pretty good for them. Because they just gotta get through those first twenty five, and then he'll be back. I believe the first game he's back. I I could be wrong by that, but I think the first game he's back is Christmas Day. So this is actually very interesting too. Uh, 
Adam Silver was very smart by doing this. It's just enough where it's 25 games where he looks like he's making an effort to discipline Ja and make sure he gets better. Uh, it's also enough where the league keeps him as a money maker because now when they make the schedule, all those big matchups the first time are going to take place after that 25 game mark. So when right. you see in the middle of December, those Christmas, he'll be back by Christmas Day. He'll he'll play in that game, but. He's gonna miss out on all the All Star selections, the All NBA teams, the That's defensive good. teams, mm-hmm. MVP, most improved player. He is not eligible for any award because he won't meet that minimum stand of sixty five games. Yep. So even if he plays every single game, max amount he can get is fifty seven. That's not gonna be enough. So Adam Silver pretty much punished him financially with losing tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, I mean, by doing this. So, but to me, it's it's a really smart business decision that it's going to hurt Jaws Park pockets but it's not going to hurt the nba's revenue stream in the uh, grand scheme of things right i mean look at what happened with jalen brown this past season i mean him getting all nba has helped him now his market is is gonna be bigger now than ever than it was before by him getting that all nba selection um those selections are huge when it comes down to it in the financial scheme of things so for morant at the end of the day it does hurt him but that's what happens when you do stupid stuff like that off the court so it's a lesson that needs to be taught Hopefully it gets to him and that it will help him, you know, not do the stupid crap he's doing and will get him to help Memphis try to get further in the playoffs and maybe even win a championship here or there. Yeah, um, I guess we'll have to, I guess we'll see where that uh where he ends up. Right. And I think for you're right for the NBA, I mean it, they hit it they you hit a nail the nail on the coffin. I mean the the fact that he's gonna be back for Christmas Day, they're gonna be able to, you know, market that perfectly. They're gonna be able to say, Oh, look at this. ESPN, get ready. You're going to have John Morant's first game back from his suspension. You're going to be talking about all these storylines going into that day on Christmas Day. I mean, it's perfect for the NBA. Look how the NFL did it with Deshaun Watson. I mean, the first game he came back was against his former team, the Houston Texans. Like, Yeah, he ended up being a little bit of a bust this year, but um, yeah, the marketing but, was there. Exactly. The, the whole scheme of things is that these commissioners are trying to market it to the best of their abilities, and it's going to, at the end of the day, hopefully work out for them. And so, I mean, you would think for the NBA, it's probably going to work out considering Morant's going to be back Christmas Day. Not sure who they're going to be playing on Christmas, but at the end of the day, Memphis gets their superstar back after 25 games. They're hoping that he can, you know, they could be at least somewhat competitive by that time he comes back and then that he can help them make a playoff push. I'm going to call my shot here. It's going to be Lakers Grizzlies Christmas Day. I think so too. I think so too. It makes too much sense with with the whole jaw and uh, them being in the finals last year. I'm sorry, the Western Conference Finals this past year for the Lakers. Uh, the whole jaw conspiracy. Everyone's not going to out. Yeah, Lakers not going to out. All this all makes this is screaming Lakers, Memphis in Shannon Sharp. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. He's going to be It'll the be Lakers are going to have him courtside. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm very curious to see what they who they schedule them against, but it will be something to look at once. He is back from a suspension. It will definitely bring in viewership for Christmas Day, as it usually does in years past for the NBA. But let's now talk about, Andrew, one of the bigger stories in regards to ownership of a team, and that is the Charlotte Hornets now will have a new owner, Michael Jordan, finally selling the team after, what, was it 13 years as the owner of the Charlotte Hornets? So a time is ending in Charlotte. Um I'm trying to think of the best words to describe this tenure for Jordan. It, it really was not the best of times. Uh, mediocre 
and yeah, but he the, 10x'd his money. So. What if they made the playoffs once? Uh, he drafted Kemba Walker. He and made the playoffs it. once or twice. Um, and he 10x'd his money, which I he's a, at the end of the day, Jordan's a businessman. Yeah, he's a businessman at the end of the day. We all know that. So he um, got them to his peak value because, listen, the, I, the Hornets, he finally had them on the right tra- trajectory, right? Yeah, he I mean, finally had it. He has Lamelo now. He's got a good. He's got other good young. We have the number two pick in the draft now. He's got the number two pick in the draft. So to me, the Hornets were primed to make a playoff push in the next year or two. And, they're gonna, and they have a bunch of cap that, space too. Yeah, I mean Jordan. Right now, Jordan has him in a great position to succeed right now. So he's not going to have a. Uh, this just makes sense to sell him kind of at peak value right now. He got two billion dollars for him, and I I can't blame him. He didn't have really a lot of success in the last um. The last ten years, but over no. the last couple, it was starting to trend like uh, like he had had something here. I, you know what? If Lamelo didn't get hurt, I think they would have made the playoffs, or at least the play-in. I that's should a say. that's a bold take. I don't necessarily hate the take, but I don't know. Charlotte was oh, they were tanking. Yeah, they were. I mean, once Lamelo got hurt, you you kind of saw it in writing that they were going to tank. But you got to remember, in, during the preseason, everyone had pegged them to be in that like a fringe team. Race. Yeah. I, they I, said, yeah. "Oh, like they were going to be there with like Washington and the Knicks, and you know, fighting for that ten spot or nine spot or eight spot, whatever it was." But the Melo got hurt early, so they just had, that, embrace had that stupid stuff off the court too. That also killed. That also really hurt them too. Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely hurt too. But um, listen, he ten uh, x his money and uh, on to onwards and upwards to new ownership. All I'm going to say is when you draft Michael K. Gilchrist number two overall, that's that's when stuff like that is going to happen. Uh, Michael Jordan, let's just face facts. He had a lot of bad – there was a lot of bad draft picks during his tenure as the owner of this Oh, team. 100%. But he also got screwed out of a lot of number one overall picks. Though. No, I, I know. But when you look at his tenure and you look at the draft picks he did make, even without getting screwed, I mean, they're not, they're not pretty at all. Not no, pretty. No, I, there's no uh, – you really can't fight that. No, you can't at all. So, uh, we'll have to see how this new ownership does for Charlotte. And, with, you know, they have the number two overall pick, as we mentioned, in this upcoming NBA draft on Thursday. We'll see if the new tenure can get, get it done. And hopefully the mellow ball comes back from his injury and is better than ever. Yeah, and uh, I want to go into our final piece of news before the, uh, before the end of this recap, before we go into our draft. And that is college basketball related and good old Bob Huggins of West Virginia University being arrested for a DUI this past weekend, blowing a point to one. He didn't even know what city he was in and he, he was forced to resign uh, this past Sunday. He thought he was in Columbus. Yeah, he was, he was in, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. He thought he was in Columbus. Um, the rumor has it from uh, what I've read is this has happened a lot. Uh, and they kind of turn a blind eye to in West Virginia, but this is what he got fired for in Cincinnati too. I, I, this is why he got fired in Cincinnati because he had DUIs and they this university had I'm to just let him go. Not sure what to say because he was already suspended after the whole incident that he had on the radio from a few months prior for making those comments about the Xavier fans, and then he, he let and then this happens. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure what to say about it. I think this was the right move at the end of the day for both parties. I mean, Bob obviously needs to get some help and, you know, fix himself. West Virginia just needs to move on at this rate. We've kind of been saying it for years that West Virginia needed to move on from Bob Huggins. Oh, this is a blessing um, in disguise for him. Exactly. I think it's I think it's a 
as you said, a blessing in disguise. And they just take a new coach for at least this season and then finding that true head coach for next year. Because listen, at the end of the day, West Virginia is still a job that people will want to go to. We might not agree with that, but there is there are coaches in, in college basketball that would want to coach for West Virginia, considering that the conference that they're in and who the teams they play and stuff like that. It's still a good program overall for basketball. I think we'll have to see what they do this season. The problem is, though, we've seen already a couple of their recruits now are looking to transfer potentially out of the program. So that does hurt them. Um, but the, the whole new uh, regime will have to lead the way for at least this year, going into next season, trying to find that true head coach. Yeah, and remember, the this is what was so important that the transfer portal had shut down already. But since uh, Bob Huggins got fired or resigned, pretty much he effectively resigned. But in reality, he got fired. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, those West Virginia players have thirty days now to either find a new home or enter the transfer portal for a special one time only. And it's rumored that eight players are going to leave. And I know Nick, you have this game circled on our calendar. I know you uh, do December 1st. It's a Wednesday, or I believe it's a Wednesday. You have St. John's going into Morgantown, which is probably going to be consisting of the West Virginia super AAU uh, team. <laughs> super AAU. Or, or, you know, beer league have, or Grayson YMCA out. league. Gonna yeah, they're going to have Grayson out there uh, <laughs> chucking up three-pointers. Oh, so I'm looking forward to that game. Please don't bring up that video again. I beg. Um, Yeah, I, I already, you know, I didn't really get to talk to Grayson much about it. I mean, obviously, they're just concerned about how this season goes, at least in the way Oh, of, this season's already done. I, yeah, exactly. They don't know who's going to coach for the, the You're not even playing for the CBI, pal. You're playing for, uh, you're playing, you're already going to Cancun. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I think, like I said, I think, I think I, we, I think we had, the, you know, I think we hit it perfectly. I think this year's kind of chalk for them. I think it's all about next season. No, this reminds me of. Coach. Yeah, what's up? When St. John's uh, fired Steve Lavin and they brought in Mullen. Yeah, but you love Steve Lavin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear me out. They had all those players <laughs> yeah. leave. Yeah. And then they pretty much had an AAU team the first year, and they won like eight games. This is going to be like an eight-win season for West Virginia. And they have to endure what I endured that freshman year with Duran Johnson and all of them. Ron Wawika, Felix yeah. Balmo. You're, you're going to have a long year, West Virginia, if that's the case. Christian Jones. you got some legends on that squad. Uh, sure. Yeah, if you want to call them legends, be my guest. I don't know about that. Um. So it will definitely be an interesting year for the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, before we get into our next segment, Johnson, just want to give a congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights as they won their first ever Stanley Cup final after beating the Florida Panthers in five games last week. Six years it only took for the expansion Golden Knights to win that championship. So very good mark for them to get that title, the first title for a Vegas team. We'll have to see if any of the other Vegas teams become champions in the near future. but. The Golden Knights get it done. They did it pretty convincingly against a Florida Panthers team that just looked very unmatched, kind of like we saw in the NBA Finals. Yeah, no, it was absolutely fantastic series played by Vegas, and Florida continues to have that magical, magical year throughout all sports, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, just really all their sports almost firing on all eight cylinders, but yeah. they seem to just sputter, uh, sputter and... Uh, they just ran down a little bit. Yeah, they by just, the time they get to the finals, the, it's it's as it's you know the glass slipper fell off at the end of the day. That's that's all happens. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, they've had a fantastic time, and, and shout out to the Panthers for playing a uh, a great season and making that miraculous run. But shout out to Vegas for uh, winning their first cup in under seven years, I believe. It was year sixth, six for them. It was their sixth year in the NHL. Still not the fastest. I still think the Florida Marlins were the fastest expansion team to win a championship. They did it in four years. So you still have that to hold on to, Johnson. Uh, I think I'll always hold on to that. I, I'm, I'm sure you will. Uh, but now it's time to get into our next segment. And this could be an interesting segment because, as some of you may remember, we did a mock draft when the NFL draft came around in April. And, you know, I think it's time that we do now one for the NBA draft that's happening this Thursday. Very interesting draft. We talked about it. Victor Wemanyaya, the clear consensus number one overall pick. After that is where it gets interesting because a lot of people could go Brandon Miller, number two. You can go Scoot Henderson, number two. There's been trade rumors. We talked about it as well. Um, when you go and look into this draft, we talked about it a little bit earlier on the show, but is there anything else you're looking into regarding maybe a trade? I've heard rumors about OJ Anunoby maybe getting dealt at some point in this draft. Zion Williamson, we've heard the rumors with him as well. Do you expect any big-time move to happen in the upcoming days or even on draft night? Uh, Dame has to get traded. And I think my we talked about it. I think Miami has to be the one that has to go all in and try to get him. Yeah, that, that is what's going to happen. Dame has to get traded. He's 32 years old. They are not winning a championship with him in, within the next two or three years. Stop wasting his prime. Get him out of there. Send him to a contender. And Portland's got the number three overall pick. They could be looking at a guy like Scoot Henderson, especially if they trade Damian Lillard. So we'll have to see what happens regarding that. But now let's go into this mock draft. Now, we're going to both collectively make the number one overall pick because we all know where it's going. But then after that, we'll be alternating picks. Johnson will go first, and then I will go after him, and then we'll keep alternating as we get to the final pick of the first round of this NBA draft. Uh, we'll be looking into some of the team needs potentially for the team, maybe any potential rumors. We've heard also about the pick, maybe we getting dealt, or even a team trying to trade up. But being that as it may, we know the San Antonio Spurs have been on the clock. We know where they're going with number one, and they're going with a guy that they're trying to reshape the franchise and make you know, some big-time memories like they did with Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Tony Parker. They've got to go with the big-time center, Victor Wembanyama. They just have no choice but to take him. He has so much good talent. I think he's, what, 7'4 listed? I think he's 7'5". 7'5", I mean... In shoes, in shoes, that is. Yeah, either way, he's just a special talent. He has really good playmaking ability as well. He could be a really big type of generational talent that the Spurs could use to try to help, you know, reshape that franchise. Yeah, so I think he's the consensus number one overall pick, and that's what we're going to start with. So then I... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Charlotte, even though I think Scoot Henderson may be the best player on the board, uh, I think they need to go Brandon Miller since they already have LaMelo. He's an incredible talent. He has the John Morant problem off the court. Fix it. He, I think seeing uh, John Morant get a punishment like that is going to change his outlook on things, and hopefully he doesn't end up like Ja. Uh, but with that, all that talent on the, on the court and pairing up with LaMelo, this could be something special. Yeah, I mean, if you were able to have LaMelo, then we know how good of a guy, you know, player Brandon Miller is. But as you spoke about it, the issues off the court have been what teams have been concerned about. If they can get past those issues and are able to control those issues off the court, 
Miller and LaMelo could be a very special duo in Charlotte and try to get them back into the postseason for the first time in a long time. So don't necessarily hate the pick at all. Um, now brings us to the third overall pick with the Portland Trailblazers. I think you're right. I think Damian Lillard does get dealt. I don't know if it happens this week. I think he does get dealt at some point in this offseason. And I think Scoot Henderson is the perfect fit to replace a guy like Damian Lillard. I think he just has really good playmaking ability as well. Can't Really is not the same type of scorer as Dame, but can put up points if needed be. I think Portland, at the end of the day, just needs to find that one player that's going to, you know, start the rebuild and try to get Portland back into, you know, winning ways. It's going to take a little bit of time to get back to those winning ways, but at the end of the day, we both agree Portland just needs to start the rebuild, and I think trading Dame and getting a guy like Henderson would start it and would help them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hit the uh, nail right in the head of Scoot Henderson there as well. Uh, clearly a great talent. I don't know how he's going to um... – I don't know how to judge the G League night yet. I, I really don't. I don't think we have yeah, players yet. Uh, but that brings us to the Houston Rockets, which this is where I think the uh, the draft gets interesting. Doesn't yeah. It? You have the Thompson twins, Amen and Alcer Thompson. You have you have you know Jarris Walker. You have Cam Whitmore. There's a lot of guys, Anthony Black. So I'm not sure if I was Houston. They kind of already have a wing player, but they already have have two bigs with. Uh, Jabari Walker and um, I'm sorry, Jabari. I keep on calling him Jabari Walker. He's Jabari Smith Jr. I think about it too. I mean, they also get still get uh, James Harden in the yeah, offseason. So, so there's you know, a lot I, of ifs, ifs and scenarios for them. So out of the Thompson twins, you have Amen and Osair. Osair is kind of the shooting guard small forward where Amen is kind of the combo guard. So being that... Uh, you kind of don't know what's going to happen with your front court. I think as an insurance policy, you take Gangman Thompson here. I, I don't disagree with it because I think at the end of the day, Portland's going to try to move on from one of those younger players that they have. And I think it would be most likely at the guard position. And you've heard the rumors about James Harden already, maybe potentially going back there. Um, I think the point guard right now is Kevin Porter Jr. And he's not a bad point guard. But, but he's a wing. He's a wing. And yeah, I think you just need a true point guard. I think Thompson would bring that to this team. But like we said, if they're able to get James Harden, then it would be huge for them. And getting that team back into the postseason, which they haven't been since James Harden has been, was there. So that'll be fun to see if they were able to do that in the offseason. And we'll see if they take Thompson on Thursday. Now brings us to the Detroit Pistons, who had – Let's face facts, a really bad season. They won 17 games on the year. They had a whole year of killing Hayes just to draft the fifth overall, which is rough. Yeah, they fell in the draft. They you know, did not have Kate Cunningham at all this season. It's a tough pick because you look at their roster. Obviously, Cade, you have their guard. You have some really young players that can help you win. Got James Wiseman last year from the Golden State Warriors, who I think could help them in the long run. Jaron Duran is another guy I like as well. So I think at center, they're perfectly fine there. I think you look more towards what they have at Ford. I think they're going to try and move on for Bojan Bogdanovic. I think he's getting a little bit, he's getting up there in age, does have a big time contract, about 20 mil per year. I think you would try to move on from that contract and try to bring in a new Ford that could help your team. The question is Johnson though, you have three really good Fords. You have Cam Whitmore, Jarris Walker and Osser Thompson. 
I wouldn't be inclined to go Austin Thompson and go back to back with the Thompson brothers here. I mean, you wouldn't be able to uh, write it any better than that if you did it. It's kind of like uh, they would love it. They would love it like the um, like the Morris twins a couple of years ago. I was just about to bring that up. I I think I think that would be the perfect script, just like the Morris twins went back to back. I think that's what happens here. Did the Lopez twins go back to back, too? I don't believe so. I think they're a little bit further apart. I don't remember if Robin Lopez went after Brooke. I could be completely wrong about that. I think they were a little bit uh, further apart. So s- number six overall brings you to the Orlando Magic. Uh, for those of you who are um, uh, not familiar with the Magic, they have a lot of guards. They, they have a plethora of guards. And they also have a lot of big earlier. men. They also have a lot of big men. So they need to pick one of those tweeners again. Uh, but I don't know what one of these small forward slash shooting guards would work best for them. Uh, Walker is kind of weird out of Houston. He's an undersized four. Uh, you already took Osair Thompson, which would have been a better fit. Uh, being that Orlando likes to hoard young talent, I'm going to go with, uh, with Cam Whitmore out of Villanova here. He wasn't the strongest shooter this year. Uh, that Villanova squad was putrid. We saw him live and in person. Uh, uh yeah. A little bit undersized for small forward, but he's on the younger side. He is a true freshman, so he did play against kids that are older than him. Uh, above average from the field, I would say. A little below average shooting-wise. Solid rebounder. Can improve a little bit at the line, but uh, I, I think he was kind of a victim of playing on a really bad team this year uh, because his individual play was really good. Yeah, I think So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here, and I think if he goes to Orlando and he plays in that system, I think he'll be really good. I think you look at it too with Orlando. You kind of saw it towards the end of the season where they were starting to get things going, and it looked like maybe they were going to somehow maybe make the play in. Just didn't happen at the end of the day. But I don't hate the Whitmore pick. I mean, I think you you hit it perfectly on the head. I mean, Villanova had a really bad year last year in terms of what they've done years prior. Whitmore was their was their biggest bright you know spot on the team. I think if he was to go to the Magic, it would help them because. I think that's one of their key issues. I think just getting another forward really could help them. But I'll have to see where they would put him if they were to use him in a starring role or at least off the bench for now. It now brings us to the seventh pick with the Indiana Pacers. Pacers are an interesting team. We know they have Tyrese Halliburton. He's one of the better young players in the NBA. There's been rumors that they might be trading Buddy Heald in this upcoming draft on Thursday. You have Miles Turner, etc. We know the issue. We, he could be getting traded as well. I think they also go forward. And I think with Jarris Walker out of Houston still being there on the board, could have went as early as number five. I think him falling here to number seven is perfect for the Pacers. I think at the end of the day, they just got to try to help this team get better. They also just fell short of the playoff, the play-in. I think if they're able to add another young forward, it could help them maybe get a, just an inch closer to getting there. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good pick. I think Indiana needs everything, and uh, nothing's really off the table for them. Right. Um, so that brings us to the next pick, which belongs to Washington Wizards, another team that's in a full rebuild right now. Especially after yesterday, yeah. So I think here you go for best pick available. And there's a couple picks you can go here. I think you can go Grady Dick out of Kansas. Mm-hmm. I think you can go Anthony Black out of Arkansas, which who I'm leaning towards. Uh, or you can go Keontae George out of Baylor here. They want a guard or a forward that would produce immediately at an NBA level. You got to think about it too. Chris Paul probably won't be there 
I would imagine he's probably going to get bought out. So they could be and, looking at guard, especially. So I think you're looking for uh, kind of a tweener again, the shooting guard, small forward. So I'm going to go with Anthony Black here. Had a really strong postseason in, at Arkansas. Uh, they've been a, an NBA factory lately. So I think he's really be um, the best pick here. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, like we said, they they traded Bradley Beal. They now have a you know a role, an empty role at the two guard. Chris Paul probably gets bought out, so they'll have an empty role at point guard as well. So, just getting someone there to fill one of those two roles would be helpful. And I liked Anthony Black's game; he was really good for that Arkansas Razorback team, helping them get to the NCAA tournament. So, be curious to see if they do take him in this upcoming draft on Thursday. Next team we have now is the Utah Jazz, and for the longest time, Johnson, Utah was in the playoff discussion for most of the season. They just had a really bad second half of the year. Um, they're an interesting team also going into this draft because I think you could see they have some of the talent there that could help them get into the postseason. Walker Kessler was huge for them last year. Laurie Marketed started to really show up for that team as well. Um, you have guys like Colin Sexton also there. Jordan Clarkson was a reigning sixth man of the year going into last season. I think you have to get a guy that could play maybe the two or three for this team. And I think Keontae George is, I think, the perfect fit for a team like the Jazz. A guy that could play one of those two positions and help them get some depth. I think Oche Ajabi was their starting shooting guard for most of the year as well as Jordan Clarkson potentially. He was. Um, So I think George would help them get some more shooting, and give them some more length and size for this team. Now, you made my job pretty difficult here because I was between two guys here for Dallas. Now, keep in mind, this pick has been heavily ruined to be traded. So I I don't know if they trade this pick. Um, And this this is why. I think if it's on draft day and these two guys are available, which is Bilal uh, Kulabi, from France. He's on the same team as Victor Wembayana, the European prospect. Uh, him and or Grady Dick, depending on who you would, if you're really believing this. So Dallas has immense problem with their spacing right now. They need knockdown shooters. So Grady Dick, when he was at Kansas, shot almost six threes a game at 40% a, uh, 40% a game. Fantastic. And we know Dallas loves their European prospects, whether it's Dirk or now it's Luka. They've had a history of European prospects and being patient with them. So I think if uh, if available between Grady Dick and the new French prospect, I think they can go with the French prospect here. Okay. If they don't trade it, that is. I, I don't hate it because you got to think about what they have at power forward right now. And I think they're going to be getting rid of Christian Wood also in the offseason. I think they just need to figure out and getting more depth on that team. Yeah, guys like Dwight Powell starting as well, Maxi Kleber, Marquise Morris. They just got to get someone that could help them at the end of the day. Yeah, no, listen, this guy it would be a fantastic. He's listed as a small forward, but he could definitely play small ball four. Six, eight. He's got a seven, three wingspan. He's 200 pounds, so he needs to put on a little bit of weight, but he could shoot the ball. He's really good uh, at the rim. He's solid from the line. He's not the best rebounder or the best passer, but. You know, this is also European-style basketball. We don't know how it's going to translate effect, uh, translate into the NBA, how his game's going to translate, but he's a fantastic prospect. And he's just kind of shooting up the boards, and if he's here at 10, I think they take him. Yeah, I, I, I don't really disagree with it at all. 
But it brings me now to the next pick because this is a tough pick with the Orlando Magic once again. We went with Cam Whitmore, their first pick. They have this pick due to the Nikola Vucevic trade from years prior with the Chicago Bulls. It's tough because you look at some of the guards you have there. We know the Magic have a lot on their roster as it pertains to guards. It would kind of lean me to maybe going center with the pick. But it's so tough because they have it. They have guys like Wendell Carter, Bull Bull, Goga Patatse. They, they're not bad centers at all. We talked about it. They maybe could go after DeAndre Aiden if they were to trade with the Phoenix Suns at a potential rumor deal that we made up. Um, I don't know. This is a really tough pick. I really want to lean towards it's it, it, I think they also could use a two guard. I, I don't know if Case and Wallace from Kentucky can really play the two guard like that. He's a little undersized, about six four. It kind of makes me want to think Jordan Hawkins, maybe from UConn. Hey, Jordan Hawkins would be a great pick there. He's a little bit older, but I think he'd be a fantastic pick there. Six five, just a little bit taller than Wallace, but I think he's he seems more of like a two guard. Oh, he's than a Wallace true two guard. One hundred percent. I think Wallace guard. is more of a traditional point guard when you look at him. I, I would. I'm going to go Jordan Hawkins with the pick. I really was was considering Derek Lively from Duke. But I just don't think the Magic need a center like that right now at that pick. They could probably grab someone in the second round to do something like that. All right. And this next pick belongs to the Oklahoma City Thunder at number 12. This is the easiest pick of night. Put, slide in, uh, put Grady Dick on the Thunder right now. Grady Dick on the Thunder. Okay. That's just such an easy pick. He shoots the ball well. He'll, go, he'll, mesh, he'll mesh well with that young talent. Uh, he's going to have to fight for minutes there, but the, it's all young guys on that team. He'll be fine, and there won't be immense pressure for him to uh, to play right away. And listen, he's going from Kansas to Oklahoma City. That's not too much of a culture shock, so yeah. this would be perfect for him. Uh, I mean, this thing about the Thunder, I mean, the first of many years where they're going to have a lot of draft picks, so it's not going to be the first time we, we keep hearing the name Oklahoma City in this NBA draft. Now, this next pick, the Toronto Raptors, and I think you kind of made this one easy for me as well. But I mean, they just lost Fred Van Vliet. I don't think he goes back to the team. I didn't take Casey Wallace with the Magic pick. I think him going to Toronto would be good for them. I think he's more of that point guard role that they lost when they got rid of Kyle Lowry. Um, you have guys like Siakam that could score for them. They're going to be trying to look in maybe to the offseason and maybe getting some scoring for their team. I think Wallace could help them try to, you know, in playmaking ability-wise, getting some of those guys' points. And I think for Toronto, I think they just start a rebuild. I think that's where they're kind of going with this right now. You've heard the Anawubi trade rumors. Wouldn't be shocked if Siakam maybe gets dealt in the next couple of years. I think Wallace could be a guy that, if developed correctly, could help this team in a rebuild. All right, so that brings us to number 14, New Orleans uh, Hornets. Oh, New Orleans Hornets, jeez. New <laughs> Orleans two, Pelicans. He's at 2005. Yeah, back in 2005. So pick number 14 for New Orleans uh, Pelicans. If Zion gets dealt, they're going to pick Taylor Hendricks if he's available. But since I don't think he's going to get dealt, uh, give me Derek Lively from uh, from Duke. Okay. I think they want to move on from Jonas Valanciunas. He's, he's getting up there in age, and he'd be the perfect guy to kind of to learn from. He was... Uh, Ever so off, 
from a double double machine at Duke. He averaged, I think it was uh, five and five. And if you give it per 36, that'd be close to 10 and 10. Didn't really get a lot of playing time at Duke. They kind of struggled uh, at points this year. But man, when he played, he looked he looked really good. Yeah, I think Lively, like I said, I was considering him going with the Magic pick at 11. I think him falling to 14 would be really good for the Pelicans because you're right, Valachunas is getting up there at age. So I think that would be a good opportunity for them to do that and take him. And I think you also kind of helped me with this next pick with the Atlanta Hawks because I truthfully believe that they're going to be trading John Collins in the next couple of weeks. I don't think he stays with the team. Taylor Hendricks has fallen this far, projected to potentially go in the top 10. I don't see why Atlanta wouldn't take him here at number 15 overall. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, now that we're outside the lottery officially, yep. this is where it gets interesting because these are teams now that are just pretty much in the playoffs or they're looking to make it kind of 15 for 20 is kind of like you're in hell. Like where you these picks really won't help much. So I think at this point you just take uh, the best player available. Yeah, BPA and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, for example, the Jazz. I have at this point. Uh, I think they still need to fill that backcourt. So I think you take Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan. Okay. Uh, only really logic I have is that Jordan Clarkson's up there in age. They traded Donovan Mitchell, and they're still trying to figure out who uh, who who's the best player on that team. No, um, I, I agree. So I think you take another wing slash guard or slash point guard, whatever you want to call him, uh, and see where he figures and where he fits best on that team and take it from there. Yeah, the, the Jazz are another team like the Thunder where they have a lot of picks in the next couple of years, and they're going to be trying to build this off of the draft and try to get this team right. And if they're able to get Bufkin, I think, with the second pick, I think that wouldn't hurt them at all. And then – you talked about it. You look at some of these teams that are in this range now that now they're out of the lottery. It brings us to the next pick with the Los Angeles Lakers, and we know it's going to be an interesting offseason for them because they are potentially trying to get Kyrie Irving to go there. They could look at maybe getting Draymond Green to go there. So this could lead the draft going a lot of different ways for them. But there's been one guy, Johnson, that I've really liked for a while in this draft and I think would be a nice fit for the Lakers. Because keep in mind, Austin Reeves is an RFA. I'm not sure if they bring him back depending on what he commands in the offseason. I think Nick Smith out of Arkansas could be a fun fit for this team. He's a very good you know, young player, only 19 years of age, can't shoot when needed to be. I think he could be a fun player for the Lakers if you put him on that team overall, especially if they're, able, if they're to lose a guy like Reeves. Smith could play the one or the two for this team. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It would be a really interesting pick to see where he goes. Uh, which brings us to pick number 18 of Miami Heat. This is an easy one. Give me Leonard Miller out of a G League. This guy just screams Miami to me. I, I, there's not, maybe it's because he is a large forward who can rebound. He's a foreign player. He's going a little bit under the radar. Can't really shoot that well. But to me, he just kind of screams Miami. Yeah, I think you got to look about it too. This also could be a Portland Trailblazer pick because this could be involved in a Damian Lillard type of deal if Damian was to go there. So Yeah, true, true. There, There's a lot of scenarios regarding that. Um, but I, I, I don't disagree. He does really scream like a Miami Heat pick now, now more than you mentioned it. Um, the next pick is interesting because now I'm stuck between two players. I think once with Draymond Green now gone from Golden State, and I, like I said, I don't think he goes back. 
I'm kind of between a couple players for this next pick. I think I know where you're going. I. It's so tough because I'm kind of leaning Chris Murray from Iowa with this pick. Um, to me, that's the perfect pick. I, I think. I think they just need a guy that can help them. He's six eight. I think twenty two years of age. I think he would help this. No, he's team. battle tested. Yeah, I think he would help this team overall. He's not the same type of player, obviously, as Draymond was, but he could still help them get back to the playoffs next season and maybe even make a run if they're able to add some talent around Steph Curry. He's bigger than Draymond. He's uh, he rebound probably just as well, maybe not at the NBA level, but just talking college comparison-wise, he could shoot better than Draymond already. I'm not saying he's going to be Draymond or whatever, but... Right. Uh, in that Draymond Green-like role, when you're just trying to pick from, you know, the draft, I think it's Chris Murray at this point. And I think you want a guy more that, that you, like you said, he's battle-tested. He's 22 years of age, so he's already seen it all in regards to his college career. So you want a guy that's already kind of established and try to help you win another championship. All right, so that brings the 20th pick in the draft, and that belongs to the Houston Rockets. Still trying to figure out what they're doing with those that small forward uh, slash shooting guard spot. I know they have Jalen, um, they got Jalen Green there, but they still need someone else to play next to him. Uh, earlier in the draft for the um, for the Houston Rockets, we already took Amen Thompson. Uh, I I think it's usually in poor taste to take another wing, but since you don't know what's going to happen this offseason, I think you take Bryce Sensabaugh out of uh, out of Ohio State, who plays the same position. But remember, both these guys could end up starting. Yeah, I, I mean, technically, Eamon Thompson's more of a point shooting guard, where this right. guy's kind of more of a true small forward. So, even though they're roughly the same size, you could have your point guard, shooting guard, small forward all be around six six, and then have your monster center in the middle and your big man at the four. To me, this is kind of like a modern NBA team you're building. Now, I'm not gonna lie, I did not think that's where you were going with this pick because I thought you were gonna go with a different player. But since he's now here on the board at 21 with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, keep in mind, they have back-to-back picks, so they will be making two selections. I really like Dariq Whitehead from Duke, and he's still very raw. He's only 18 years of age, but I think him going to Brooklyn would help. They kind of need a guy that could play a two- or three type of role for them. You look at the roster, they might lose Cam Johnson in the offseason. Mikkel Bridges was playing more of the two-guard as the season went on. All right, and since we're already on the topic of versatility with pick number 22, give me Jet Howard out of, Min- uh, out of Michigan, 6'8 guard out of Michigan. Uh, talk about versatility. This guy could play probably the 2-3 or 4-4 or whatever they want to develop him, develop him into in the NBA. So, again, kind of like another raw prospect, but that's what uh, that's what Brooklyn needs right now. That brings us up to the next pick, which is the Portland Trailblazers of pick 23. With our first pick, we took had them taking Scoot Henderson to potentially replace Damian Lillard. I think Johnson. I think they have to go forward with this pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they go center because you gotta think Nurkic is probably getting up there as well. They might try to move on from him as as well as potentially Damian Lillard. I think they'll play it safe and go forward for now, and it really comes down to what forward would they take. Because there is a couple on the board that I wouldn't mind them going. Um, who do we like? Noah. 
Clowney or JJ Jackson or GG Jackson. So I said JJ. I think you go uh, Noah Clowney I, here. Yeah, I'm th- I'm trying to think because you can also look at a rebuild. Clowney is 18 years of age, also, but that's the same thing with Jackson. I think Jackson's more of like a three, a four in terms. I think Clowney could provide you some versatility, so we'll go with Noah Clowney with the pick. All right, so that brings us to pick number 24 and the Sacramento Kings. Rough way to end their season, but they have a lot of promise going forward. Uh, this is hard because they have a lot of their spots already kind of filled out. So I don't know really where they should go here. Um, I have a couple of ideas. Like, I, he's still on the board. I'm staring at it. I know, uh, I, know they, I, I know they just took a point guard in the last draft. I feel like they're going to do it again. Uh, give me Jalen Hood Shafino from Indiana. He's kind of a tweener. Um, Listen, I, I don't think they made the right decision with Davion Mitchell over uh, over Tyrese Halpern. So he, Davion Mitchell hasn't been great so far, so maybe some competition will spark him. Yeah, I, th- I think that's always, you know, that's a house player sometimes getting that competition. So I don't necessarily mind that. Maybe it will help Mitchell. Um, for Memphis, for me, you're losing, you're getting rid of Dylan Brooks. You're going to need someone to play the three. I think Max Lewis out of Pepperdine can help them in that role. They need a more traditional small forward. And you look at it also. I talked about uh, Gregory Jackson or Gigi Jackson. Um, I think he's more of a power forward, so I don't think he would really fit in that role considering that they already have Jared Jackson Jr. Um, I think Lewis would be better considering he could play. He's more of a traditional three that could potentially play two as well. Yeah, so I think at this point, you've uh, Indiana's going to have two more picks here, uh, yep. or two picks, I should say. So right. I am not going to. I'm trying to figure. out. I'm picking here. Yep. And you're picking now. So I'm I'm taking both of Indiana's picks, right? You, me, you. No, no. You got this one, and then I have the next one. Man. So all right. So just for um, just to make it make sense, then I know they can get him at 29, but since I don't think Nick will take him, um. Uh, He's the son of Indiana basketball at this point. Give me trade Jackson Davis. I, I think you have to take him if you. He's a late first round pick anyway. I know he's probably close to maybe thirty or twenty nine than he is at twenty six. But I think you just need to take Trace Jackson Davis on this Indiana team. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie with you. I was probably not gonna take him with thir- the twenty uh, ninth pick. So I'm glad him. you did. Like if for any good uh, juju in the state of Indiana, you have to take Trace Jackson Davis. That's fair. That's fair. Now we got the Charlotte Hornets coming up with the 27th pick. He went Brandon Miller, number two overall. They're in a, such a weird spot because they could use a guard as well. I mean, after the Mel, I think their studio, the shooting guard right now is Terry Rozier. They really could use some size on that team. And at that two position, which I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they try to put like Miller in a type of role there, but he's more of a three or a four. Um, I think because of that, I'm kind of going to lean towards Colby Jones out of Xavier with this pick. He's a six, six guard can give you that versatility that they need and can shoot if they need him to. And like I said, I think that's what's lacking for this Hornets team for their guard per se. 
they don't really have that size. I think the Mello is the only guy on that team that gives you the size that they have at guard. None of the other guards really give you that. All right, so that brings us to the next pick, pick number 28 with the Utah Jazz. Uh, to me, the Jazz's roster is full at this point. To, to me, they have enough young talent where they... I, I know he's a, still a first-round pick, but yeah, this is where I'm going with this. Give me a Euro stash, Ryan Rupert. I know he's not playing in Europe. I know he's playing in New Zealand, but he's from France. Uh, give him as the stash player that the Jazz are going to play in and let him develop overseas. And if he tends... If he turns out being good, that's a good pick by him. If he doesn't turn out being good, well, he was picked number twenty-eight. <laughs> I, I like I like the logic. Okay, that's fair. Indiana again, twenty-nine, second to last pick of the draft. I I'm honestly look. I'm trying to think, Johnson, because you look at this roster, and you see some of their size of depth at four. Now we gave them Jarris Walker and Trace Jackson Davis. I think they have to go guard potentially with this next pick. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they try to go center in a guy like James Najee. Um, I just think they can maybe use another guard on the team. I think I'm probably going to butcher this name. Uh, Braden Podzemski. Uh, that's the best way I'm going to be able to pronounce that. Out of Santa Clara? Out of Santa Clara, yeah. I think that would be a good fit for Indiana. I think they're another team like Utah where they have abundance of first-round picks. I don't know if they make all three of those picks. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they trade one or maybe even two of them. But I think uh, I think Podzemski would be a good fit no matter what team he goes to just because I think he could be a good starting caliber uh, guard for any team. All right. And – this pick may be a bit of a reach, or maybe just a little bit. Uh, I think the Clippers roster is also full based on what I've seen. So, But they want a player that can, they can stash away for a year or two. They'll bring him on their roster. He's uh, they can kind of be he's malleable, right? They can, he can learn the system, maybe become a good player. So he's shown flashes of it at UConn already. Give me oh. Andre Jackson Jr. He's maybe a little oh. bit of a reach here at 30, but not really too much. But he's a winner. It's something that L.A. needs. Um, uh, and I, I think he'll be, uh, I think he'll be better in the pros than he is as an, uh, as an NCAA prospect. He had some good games. He really saved them, um, against Iona. He had a big game. I know he only scored 10 points, 10 points, but he had, uh, seven rebounds and five assists in that game along with a steal to kind of really break Iona's pressure because Iona was kicking their ass in that game. And then he kind of got a spark and kind of, you know, lit a fire under that team. So. He's a good pick at 30 for the Clippers where he has a lot of great intangibles. But yeah. um but that'd be my pick for uh to round out this draft. I'm shocked you didn't go Jamie Jaquez out of UCLA keep the uh, it makes too sense talent. it makes too much uh, sense for the Clippers, but they're not gonna do it. <laughs> so you're saying they're inept to making too much sense? Yeah, no, that he's a senior, you know, he's a winning guy. He, you know, shot the ball well, not really from three, but he uh, overall he was a Good inside the three-point line. Solid rebounder. Solid scorer. UCLA, obviously, legacy program there in the state of California. Legendary basketball school. But that makes too much sense. He's from California. Makes way too much sense. Fair enough. I won't really fight you on that. I think at the end of the day, we're going to have a really good draft on Thursday. It will kickstart what's already been a hot start to this NBA offseason after the Bradley Beal trade. 
Should be a couple more trades going down the next couple of weeks. It's a big time free agency signings we know are going to happen. Next week when we get into our show, we're going to be recapping this NBA draft and see if there were any big-time surprises. And then we'll be looking into this upcoming free agency, and we'll be making some predictions potentially on where some of the big-top free agents will be going in this year's NBA offseason, which if compared to previous offseasons should be a big-time I guess movie as compared to the other ones should be. So any last remarks, Johnson, before we uh, sign this one off? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm not in this draft because as a Knicks fan, I used to look forward to this and now this is an afterthought for me. So (laughs) this is, this is nice. A a decent team for once and I have a pick. Yeah, but no, I I love tanking though. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. So be a Hornets fan. I'm good. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the show this week on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. A very hot start to this NBA offseason with this Bradley Beal trade to the Phoenix Suns. Does it help them win a championship? We'll have to see. We'll have to see how the NBA draft happens on Thursday. Could we have more trades like Damian Lillard going down? Maybe a Zion Williamson. Could be a very big-time tumultuous offseason in the NBA. We'll have to see in the next couple weeks how it all unfolds. This has been Nicholas Pavona joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.